I got a bagged phone. Probably gonna be a separate episode from that last one. Bagged one just for a second here. Just had a phone call from a friend, and we were talking about, you know, the idea of your identity getting in- interrupted. And when you're growing up, that's just part of the, you know, part of the process of growing up, and you're told that all the time. And even if you're not told that, it's what's happening. Where you get real used to the idea that, oh, I'm a, I'm a seventh grader. All year, all school year, you think I'm a seventh grader. And then there's this day of the year where all of a sudden you're not that. And then a couple months later, you're an eighth grader, and now you embrace that. Now you feel that. You know you're an eighth grader. You know you're a seventh grader. Not just that, you, you know you're an eighth grader, and you know you're no longer a seventh grader. But what the fuck does that mean? Like, yeah, you're farther along in the school system, and you're being taught different things than you were last year. But in terms of identity, what the heck does that mean? Because you think during the school year, you're being taught different things too. The first week of class, they're gonna teach you different things than they're teaching you the last week of class. And those are different from what they're teaching in the middle of winter. Why doesn't that deserve some sort of separation too? Yet, when the school year ends and you're on to 8th grade, you know you're an 8th grader, and you know you're no longer a 7th grader. It's funny. And there's a bunch of other things that go on during childhood, too. I mean, like, you are physically changing. It makes sense that there would be constant interruption to your identity, because you were evolving before your own very eyes. Start... You know, just from the time you're a baby. Losing hair, growing hair. It comes in a different color sometimes. I was told that when I was a kid. My mom told me that when I was born, I had dark hair. And then it fell out and it grew back in lighter. I've heard of that happening to other babies. Other babes as well. And then when you're a little bit older, it's like you're getting taller every year for one you know, your personality is changing. Like this year you're playing with this toy. Next year you're playing with that toy. Then a time comes when you're not supposed to play with toys. And you might even lose interest in them somewhat, you know? So your identity is being constantly interrupted. When you're five years old and you're into He-Man, He-Man, you don't think, oh, I'm going to be into this forever. I mean, unless you're, you know, my generation, in which case everything you were into when you were five years old, you stay into forever and wear t-shirts and put stickers on your car and buy a a Funko Pop doll collection of it. If If you're an adult now, you do all that. But I mean, historically, like a kid plays with toys and they, they move on, you know, and there's different rights that take place where it's like oh you're 16 now i mean puberty's a big one that's an obvious you suddenly you start mutating i mean i still remember not to get too personal here but uh, i still remember when like my pubic hair first started growing in one day i just looked down and I was seeing the start of my pubic hair. I wonder how many people remember that. I never hear people talk about this. Not that they should be going around having conversations with everybody about it, but still, I've never heard another human being talk about having this moment, which was like looking down. I don't know if I was 12, 11, I don't know what age I was. But I remember looking down and it seemed to have happened overnight as far as I could tell. It really seemed to have happened overnight, and I was horrified. Because, I mean, first of all, just watching hair grown in, I don't think I had ever seen hair start to sprout at any point in my life. Like, I had never had a shaved head. 
obviously I didn't have facial hair. So I don't know if I'd ever seen hair start to grow back in, especially growing in a place for the first time. I mean, it's insane. And I, I remember being sad though, because I knew what it meant. And this isn't me looking back on it and twisting it. I still remember exactly where I was and how I felt. And I knew when I saw that, that that marked the end of childhood. Like, yeah, childhood would go on a little while longer, like the, the traces of childhood and all that. But I knew that marked a distinct change in my life. And I loved my childhood. You know, I loved being a little kid. My mom made it really fun. My sister and her friends were over all the time. I had you know, a bunch of friends who were into the same things I was into. It was just a lot of fun. Wasn't, there's was no significant trauma, like beyond just the existential issues and things that come up, you know, like nothing terribly bad happened when I was a little kid. And so, you know, I, I was having a good time. And then one day I looked down and uh, I knew that that marked the end of it. And I remember thinking, like, I got to get rid of this. I got to slow this down. Like, I think, I think I even thought about cutting it off, like shaving or something. Just like, like this immediate response of like, oh, shit. I don't want this to happen yet. Not that I didn't want it to happen. I just remember thinking, like, I don't want this to happen yet. But uh, that's what I'm talking about. That's an identity crisis, if I've ever heard of one. I can tell you right now, that was an identity crisis to, to look down and be like, oh shit, I'm changing. It's mut I'm mutating. So childhood's filled with things like that. I mean, and you're told it too. On top of the fact that these things are happening to you, you are told it. I mean, beyond the fact that you go from grade to grade and like... Yesterday you're a kindergartner, today you're a first grader. What's the real difference? You know, aside from that, like teachers and parents will tell you, like, you're acting like a seven-year-old, but you're eight now, so act like an eight-year-old. What the fuck does that mean? Teachers, like, I, I remember being, because my friends and I got in trouble for drawing in class in fifth grade, or sixth grade. It was sixth grade. Mrs. Sweeney. Old Mrs. Sweeney. She got mad at us for drawing and she, her goat because she was a sixth grade teacher and that was the last year in our elementary school and then the, in seventh grade you went on to junior high so the sixth grade teachers would tell you they're not going to accept this in junior high that was their go-to line very effective go-to line they're not going to accept this in junior high Oh, this would never, this would never go in junior high. They made it sound like junior high was going to be so strict. I drew, I still drew on my papers. I still, I drew in class all through junior high and high school. And junior high used the same argument where they would say like, they're never going to let you do this in high school. Oh, if you do this in high school, they chop your head off. You know, that was the sort of vibe they gave you. And it was just, a, it was a tool to control you, you know, that's all it was. And it, if I were them, I would do it too. It's a pretty harmless one to use. Because it didn't stop me from drawing or anything. It didn't crush my dreams to have a teacher say, Oh, in junior high, they're never going to let you draw on your homework. They're never going to let you draw in class. Junior high, they're never going to let you draw in class. You know, it didn't crush my dreams or stop me from drawing. That's what's always funny about people whose like dreams get crushed easily. That's always the sign that it's not really your dream. And that's what successful people always say too, tangent here. But like really successful people will always tell you like, oh yeah, nothing could have deterred me. Oh yeah, like when I got into, when I was trying to be an actor, my life was filled with people trying to crush my dreams. But nothing could crush it and I just knew I had to keep at it. They all say that. So it's funny to me when people's dreams are crushed easily. Maybe it's different. I mean, I know there's situations where, like, 
a kid's parents just like nail something home over and over again. And I think parents can crush a kid's dream, especially if they do it all the time throughout an entire kid's childhood. I know that happens. But like, you know, people's like, like fake adversity stories that have become, they become mandatory in our culture. Like you ha no matter what you're good at, no matter what you're successful at, you have to have some sort of fake adversity story. You have to have some sort of story about how you overcame adversity. And if you don't have a story like that, you invent one. Like if I became a big successful artist and I wanted to you know, meet the quota and have my adversity story, I could say, oh, my sixth grade teacher, Miss Sweeney. She said, they'll never let you do this in junior high. She tried to crush my dream. You know, people, they'll, they'll say shit like that. You know, even Michael Jordan has that story. Like, oh, I, my freshman high school year, they, they put me on the junior varsity team, not the varsity. Thanks, Coach Smith. You fuck, you know, he, he, like, he insulted his high school basketball coach because like one year, his first year of high school, they put him on the junior varsity team, which is funny. It's like maybe maybe you weren't as good that year, you know. Maybe you, you know, maybe uh, there was a reason. Maybe, maybe you had a bad show. You know, maybe maybe at practice you you weren't trying as hard that year. There could be any reasons, but you know, just these adversity stories are always so funny because they they are as as petty and silly as that. But anyway, going back to you know. The changing identity thing like like you're reminded of it constantly oh you're going to this new school next year where they're not going to let you be the same way you are now oh you're 16 well that's you're going to be a driver now and the thing about all of that the thing about all these identity changes these interruptions to what you thought your identity was growing up they really do mark important events you know like talking about puberty or getting your driver's license those change your life fundamentally, so, you know, it makes sense why you would just have to get used to the fact that, oh, growing up means just everything is changing all the time. And then on top of that, your whims and your fancies and your, your casual interests shift so rapidly to the point where, like, when a kid, you know, does something and they think, like, oh, this is me now, like, this is what I'm interested in. Like, all the adults and stuff are like, okay, yeah, you know, that's a phase, that's this, that's that. And the kid might think it's, you know, more serious, and maybe it is. Like, I'm still into things I was into when I was a, a teenager. You know, there's some things I didn't outgrow. There's some things I did. Um, but we kind of know, like, like when a kid used to get all gothed out. Yeah, there, there were some goth kids who stayed goth kids forever to this day. But most of them, it was just a phase, and everybody kind of understood that. The kid wasn't so sure, but if that kid was actually able to go beyond what's happening right now immediately, and they were to look at the past few years of their life, they'd be like, oh yeah, I've been going in and out of different interests and phases the last, my entire life, you know? So like you yourself are like finding new identities to adopt and abandoning old ones. And that goes on for definitely the first 18 years of your life. And then it continues to go on through college. I mean, college is a new identity. People think it's a big change, and it is. But people go to college, or they, they get jobs, and then, but then people kind of settle into a more static identity. And the way things would work traditionally is that right when you get used to your new identity as an adult, you have this career. Oh, you found a wife. Now you share an identity. And right when you get comfortable with that, you become a parent. And you go, okay, well, this is a whole new identity. And now you start to experience, your identity doesn't get interrupted, yet you're a parent. And you're going to learn things, hopefully, and gain more parental wisdom and everything. But then, even if you yourself aren't really changing, like, I don't think of my parents going through phases anymore. Like, yeah, fashion changes, people check out the new movies, but in terms of just who they were, they just stayed the same. Like, they were, they were the same basic people. Like, they didn't, 
I didn't come home from school one day and my mom's a goth. Some kids maybe. Some kids maybe went through that. But I didn't come home from school and, oh, hey, my mom's a goth today. I wonder how long this is going to last. But, uh, like, the, the interruption of identity does play out in the parent's life through the child. Like, they start to experience the world through their child's eyes and go through those experiences with them. And that's a big, uh, I don't want to say it's a disconnect because, like, I understand it. It's not a disconnect in the sense that I don't understand it, but it's a disconnect in that I'm not going through this. And it's a world within a world. You know, I keep using that in the, you know, lately, like, world within a world. Where, like, parents are in a world within a world. Like, they're seeing life through their child. Not just through their child's eyes, but it's like, that's become their world. Like, a cousin of mine... A lot older, like a much older cousin of mine, and has, I think both her kids are grown now. But like I would see on Facebook where she would post things like, oh, like her kids went to Catholic school, and she was saying like, oh, today's the last, like, St. Anthony's mother and son dinner. Like the school would have an annual dinner where like the student and his mother, this is an all-boys school, like, the, the boy and his mother would, like, come to the school for this, like, formal dinner with all the moms. It's, like, a sweet thing. It's, like, a father-daughter dance. And she was, like, oh, you know, today, like, you know, this is the... It's, like, that. that's a big deal to her at that time. Like, to anybody else in the world, it's, like, it's a mother-son dinner at the school that you've done for many years. But, like, in her world... Like, that changed. The fact that, like, oh, this is the last one. Like, my son's going on to the other school now. Like, that's that's something that only that person is experiencing. Like, that's an interruption to the parent's identity. I don't know why that's my example. And sometimes the kid forces it on the parent. I mean, because there's a lot of parents where, like, they don't want their kid to grow up. And it's not just because, like, they enjoy being a parent. It's like... That's a disruption to their identity, and that's part of empty nest syndrome. Part of empty nest syndrome isn't just that, you know, your kid's away from you and you're sad. That's probably a big part of it. I've never been through empty nest. Part of it's like your kid's away from you and that makes you sad because you miss them and you're used to them being there and doing things for them and being part of their life. But another part of it is also like, what the fuck do I do to my do with myself? What the fuck do I do to myself? No, what the fuck do I do with myself? Like, your identity has been interrupted because you're I, you were living through this child. If you're a good parent, you were living through this child, and now you're not doing that. At least not in the same way. So what the fuck do you do with yourself? That's part of empty nest syndrome. But what's strange is. You know, I mentioned a minute ago that, like, I, I'm still interested in some of the things I was into when I was a teenager. They kind of evolved or grew, but still, there's, there's, to the average person, they would seem like some of the same things. Some of the same music, some of the same art and interests. But because I haven't gone down the path of, like, parenthood, you know, because that hasn't changed in my life. Because I didn't have a child and now get to go through the same process I went through, but through their eyes, I could just be the same person forever. I could have just tried to hold on to the same identity forever and said, this is who I am, and that's who I'm going to be forever. But, uh, you know, I've dealt with my own interruption of identity, both, you know, by choice and not, certainly not by choice. Um, but I know people who haven't, you know, I know adults who, they kind of thought they knew who they were by the time they were 19 or 20, and not to say they've stayed exactly the same, but they think that's who they are. And I'm not telling them they should change that, because I know, I, I was thinking about a friend of mine who, out of all my friends... 
I would say, you know, he has his shit together. He's done very well for himself in just about every aspect of life. And I think he gets confused a little bit when, like, his friends kind of mutate. Like, when they're, like, you know, I don't, I don't, he hasn't even said this, but, like, I just get the impression that, like, it's not entirely relatable when a friend of his is like, shit, I'm not really that person anymore. But what I would say to him is that, like, there's that lovely rap music just going everywhere. I just love hearing that great rap music. Oh, man, it's so good. Um, but, you know, this friend, it's like, I would never want him to change. It would probably suck for him. Like, if he had an identity crisis, it would probably be catastrophic. Like, I would not wish an identity crisis on anybody. And for me, like, I don't feel like I've had an identity crisis. I've just had to accept the reality that parts of my identity have changed. And I'm happy to accept that. What makes that difficult is that other people kind of depended on your identity the way it was. And that kind of brings us back to like parents where there are parents who are like, a good example is like on The Sopranos. There's an episode where Carmela, the mom, and Meadow, the daughter, they have some like yearly ritual they do where they, they go shopping and they get brunch at this restaurant. And Meadow's done that her entire life and it's like mom and daughter's bonding day. They've done it every year. And then Meadow though, she's a teenager and she's, she's gotten mean and bratty and resentful. And her, her mom's like, I thought we'd, you know, I thought we'd go do this. I thought we'd go do that like we do every year. And she's all ready and excited. And Meadow's like, I don't want to do it this year. I don't want to do it this year. And then, and then Carmela's like, why? We, we've done this every year. We always do the mom and daughter like shopping and brunch. And Meadow's like, I only ever did it because I thought you wanted to do it. Which is like a javelin. It's like a javelin thrown through a mother's heart. Just a javelin thrown through a mother's heart right there. But that's part of paradise. I said things to my mom like that. Certainly. Wasn't the mother-daughter brunch shop day. But I, I certainly said things to my mom that I'm sure were like a javelin through her heart. But like the idea behind it is like, like here's this thing that you've always been into and willing to do and then your kid's like, I don't even like doing that. Like my friend's boyfriend, I remember a story like from him about uh, how like when he was a teenager, he wore shirts with like a skull on them, like a misfit shirt. Like he was into like the misfits and skateboarding. And so I'm sure like he had these skull shirts. It was probably like a misfit skull or like zero skateboards. You know, like a bunch of my friends were into skateboarding and had that like zero shirt with a skull on it. And it's like, if you wear that in high school, but the, but the thing was, is like, like he wore that shit in high school, but he was saying how like his family still buys him things with skulls on it. Like his family's to this day, like, they were like, oh, I bought you this shirt with a skull on it. Because he likes skulls. And it's like, it's just because, like, he he wore that in high school. He was certain sets of interests. It's not even that he liked skulls. It's that he was into the misfits, he was into skateboarding, whatever he was into. So, you know, their products have skulls on them. But they, then, like, his family got it in their heads. Like, oh, he likes skulls, which is really sweet. Like, you can't... Like, you have to be a brat. Like, someone who gets mad about that are like those girls who, you know, plan to kill their dad because he bought them the wrong color iPhone. You know, you can't be mad at that. But you also know, like, you can't change how you feel about it. You know, it's like, oh, I, don't, I really don't want skull shirts for the rest of my life. But it's sweet that they're trying to accommodate this interest. Because, like, somewhere they got it in their head that who I was when I was 17 revolved around wearing skull shirts. Skull shirts. Is that a skull shirt? 
And so like the meadow soprano thing, it's like there are these interruptions where it's like you change as a kid. Sometimes your parents can start to think that you're a certain way and it kind of shocks them because, because you're different, because you're changing, they have to change. Well, the same thing happens with friends too. Like if your friends have kind of depended on the fact that you are a certain way, and now you're not so much that way anymore. Not to say you ever change completely. Not to say you ever, you know, push that away completely. But just if you're if you're different at all, that that your friends now have to change, and that's hard for people. It's like I thought you were like this. And what I'm getting at, or the bigger picture though, is that you never actually have that firm of an identity. And believe it or not, what got me thinking about this was that, sh- that shooting on the 4th of July. I don't, I don't have much to comment on. I don't have something to say about every single shooting that happens. But the way this kid looked, like extremely thin, just that same look that all these like rap kids have where it's like tattoos on his eye, tattoos on his head, multicolored hair, you know, like streetwear. And, but people were immediately, as, as is the case with every single tragedy or shooting or anything now, people were immediately trying to find, like, a way to say that he was part of the enemy tribe. He cert- the kid certainly looked like a lib. The kid certainly, like, like, I don't think anybody can deny that if you were to see this kid, the kid looks like a lib. He looks like a lib. So people aren't wrong in seeing him and thinking that. But, you know, as far like, there's stuff that was ambiguous about him. Even though he looked that way, there's some ambiguity, I think, as far as, like, who he was and that kind of thing. And But point being is, like, Republicans are like, oh, look, he's, he's, a, he's a leftist. But then what do Democrats do? Oh, look, no, we actually found reason to think that he's a right-wing extremist. You know, that's what they do. They, want to, they always want to claim that somebody who does something horrific is part of the enemy tribe. Always. And what's so funny about that to me, though, is it's like, I look at this kid, I saw the pictures of him, and I thought, does anyone really think this kid has a true identity? Like, does anyone think this kid actually stands for anything or even knew, knew who he was? Look at him. You know, look at this kid. Like, does anyone think that this guy had principles, like died in the wool principles, or even knew what he thought about the world? Like, yeah, he might have he believed one thing versus another thing. Who knows? I, I don't care enough to research. But I just took one look at him and I was like, does anybody think this, is, that this kid had a real identity? And I mean, I think you could ask that question about anybody, because I think all of these identities, you know, have an element of illusion to them. But really, with this kid in particular, it's like, how do you even draw any conclusions about who this kid was? He didn't even know who he was. Look at him. Look at this kid. And... I guess that's just like sort of the center of a lot of issues now where it's like people really think they know who they are. Meanwhile, they're challenging everything it means to be something. Like there's no tradition. Tradition is kind of what makes you who you are. Ethnicity, tradition. When you grow up in the same place for generations... And you participate in the same gener- the same traditions. That's gonna it's a, your identity is gonna be at least a little more reinforced. Like if you grow up in Germany and go through the same traditions year in and year out, modernized but still the same traditions as your ancestors, your identity is gonna be a little more grounded. 
But in the United States, and I mean, I think this is true for everywhere, at least in the Western world now, it's all built on shifting sands, you know? And that's only become more apparent that identities have fractured. And I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with people challenging identities. I want to make that clear. I'm okay with men saying, hey, maybe I'm a woman. I'm okay with somebody thinking that or even wanting to live that way if they want. I'm okay with it. I can accept it. I have no reason to celebrate that on its own. I can accept it, though. But the problem is that identity is fractured more than ever. And on top of that, the culture and the tradition is built on not just shifting sands, but freaking quicksand. It feels like everything is getting pulled down into it. And I want to say, how is anybody so sure of who they are right now? Like, peop- let's just stick with politics. People think that they know who they are politically. But we've seen where a bunch of people have had an identity crisis with that. There's a lot of people who are sympathetic with the right wing, or even identify as right wing, who didn't five years ago. And they've experienced something of an identity crisis. Their identity got interrupted, you know, interrupted. And like, that's not true for me. I didn't feel that way. It's been, even though I don't like what's going on, it's been very easy for me to accept that the left is the way it is today. Because I saw it coming from a mile away and I didn't consider myself part of the left. I was fine mingling with people who I, who thought that way, but I myself never identified with the left. So it's been easier for me to deal with what it's become. But there are some people who have had a much more difficult time for it, and they kind of rest in that more moderate area. They're like, well, I'm classically liberal. I'm classically liberal. You know, they kind of rest more in that territory where they're not naturally conservative, but they become conservative just trying to hold on for dear life. And just trying to hold on for dear life right now aligns you with conservatives. It becomes a conservative statement just to try to hold on for dear life. And so these people are having an identity crisis about that. Because they're like, I'm trying to hold on, but the only things to hold on to, I look around and everybody around me is conservative. But people have had that political identity crisis. But then what's interesting to see is like, there are people who considered themselves leftists or liberals five years ago, who now identify with the right wing. And it's funny to see them get convinced now that they know who they are. It's like, those sands are going to keep changing. You're not a conservative. You're not, you're not on the right wing. You don't even know what you're doing. You're just trying to hold on for dear life. And your identity, the second you think this is your identity, I guarantee you it's going to be interrupted again. I saw that happen just a week and a half ago with uh, Roe Ro v. Wade. Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade. Going to Roe v. Wade. I saw, you saw that happen with that, where there's a bunch of people who have been kind of sympathetic to conservatism. They've been more moderate through this because they don't like the direction the left has gone. And then they kind of took for granted that, you know, oh, Roe Ro v. Wade is in place because they're pro-abortion or, or like whatever the whatever they call it, pro-choice. And so you suddenly saw some people do an about-face a week and a half ago. A good example is like Dave Portnoy, who I like. I like Dave Portnoy. I don't know if I would like him hanging out with him, but I like his, I, I like, I, I like barstool sports. I think they're, they're, a, I think barstool sports adds a, a nice twist on everything. It's not my thing, but I, I, I like what he's built. I like barstool sports, but Dave Portnoy is a good example where like, you know, he's gotten known in the last few years for being like, quote unquote, anti-woke. He probably voted for Trumpsfeld. Like he, he did that interview with Trumpsfeld. He's done and said a lot of things that have gone against, you know, political correctness. He's anti-union. 
he's controversial for um he made a statement that like if any of his employees attempted to unionize he'd fire them and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of not he kind of rests in that territory where he's created this persona for himself that it, you're not entirely sure where the joke begins and ends and i don't think he does anymore either but he's kind of he's been popular in recent years i mean i think i think it would be popular anyway but one of the reasons like certain people like barstool sports is because they're like oh uh dave portnoy doesn't go along with all that woke stuff you know there's people who like that but then he came out when when roby wade changed when they knocked down roby wade Dave Portnoy made like a public statement about how he's pro-abortion and how this is a horrible decision and all that. And you could see where a bunch of people who have kind of celebrated the fact that he's been pushing against the, the current cultural powers were suddenly like, wait, what? And you could see where he was probably feeling like, wait, what? Because it's easy to be kind of a fair-weather conservative when liberal laws are in place. It's very, it's very easy to be a fair-weather... Cons- like, it's, it's very easy to be an ex-leftist fair-weather conservative when Roe v. Wade is in place, when there are liberal laws on the books. So it challenges some of these people's identity to suddenly be like, wait, they knocked down Roe v. Wade? I, I was kind of banking on the fact that all this stuff would just stay where it is, and like now I'm I'm kind of questioning my cons- my fair weather conservatism, but that's good for people. It's a reminder, like just like you you thought you were something else six years ago. Don't get tricked into thinking you're that thing, that new thing now, because something else is going to knock you. You know, something else is going to you know knock knock it out of you. You know, something else is gonna. I just saw something weird going on that I'm not entirely sure. I don't know what the fuck is going on with that bicycle. Um, you know, something else is gonna interrupt your identity, is what I'm getting at. And, uh, you know, I would never wish that on somebody, but I think it's good to be reminded of it. And I've been reminded of it not through politics, not through that through just my own personal life, like, like actually really having to like think about like what is important to me, what do I want out of life, what kind of person do I want to be, what feels like dead wood that needs to be burnt off, what feels like it doesn't need to be burnt but needs to be set off to the side and maybe I'll come back to it. That's what I've been going through, you know, since I would say 2017. But that, that doesn't stay the same either, you know? Just when you think that, that something about you has changed, sometimes it reverts back to its original shape. So don't even start thinking the, cha- the new changes are, <laughs> are something you can take for granted, you know? That's how it works. But going back to like, like the, what's going on with people now, it's like, with this shooting where it's like, does anybody who's saying that this kid who shot up people in Chicago, does anybody who's talking about him being like a liberal, being a conservative, being this or being that, does anybody look at this kid and like, he's like a SoundCloud rapper who looks the way he looks. Do you think that's a person with any confidence that they know who they are? I don't. He looks like every other person who does that. He looks like literally every single person who does the things that guy does. Except shoot people up. Because there's not, as far as I know, there's not a lot of mass shooters who look like him. But he does everything else. And those people don't have a firm identity. They stumbled into this world where it's like really easy to make music. And it's really easy to decorate yourself without taking really much, if any, risk. Like, when I was growing up, people still truly thought 
that if you had visible tattoos, you would never get a professional job in your life. That sentiment was just said continually. And when people got tattoos, they would still get them in places where they could hide them. Now you see like corporate advertisements that show people in an office with like full sleeves and a neck tattoo. And she's a lesbian with purple hair, short purple hair. You know, that's, that's part of like our mainstream culture now. And in fact, I think corporations like that. I think corporations like having, you know, a lesbian with purple hair and full tattoo sleeves to put out there, you know? I think they like that. They've embraced it. So, like, this kid getting, like, face tattoos and dyeing his hair, that's not even much of a barrier or risk today. Like, yeah, there will always be something about marking your face or neck that makes people raise their eyebrows. But it, you, look at all the famous people who look that way. Look at all the people who this guy's emulating who look that way. This kid's just taking on these identities that are out there, and he, he's not even unique. You know, there's nothing even unique about him. Except that he's a mass shooter on top of all that, I guess, but that's becoming less and less unique. Used to be being a mass shooter made you unique. Now it's far from it. But I think you can look at just what kids are going through now, and what makes it weird is that it used to be that you would see teenagers going through phases teenagers' identities changing, both in ways that they're being told they're changing, as well as them telling you they're changing. Because that, that's a part of the back and forth of kids growing up, is that they're being told they're changing, they're telling their parents they're changing, meanwhile they are physically and mentally changing. It's just the parents and the kid have different ideas about that, but the real change is taking place independent of what people think. But people did used to kind of understand, like as much as kids denied it, deep down they knew this too, but people did used to understand that this is not going to be permanent. This kid is going through a phase. And some parents thought, well, my kid's a goth now. I can encourage this. You know, I'm not going to be able to stop him. So I can support this, and it'll just go away, and it, chances are it will. But the difference is, is now kids are saying, like, I'm a goth, and if you don't treat me like I'm going to be a goth forever, you want me dead. You hate me. You hate me and you want me dead. You want to enslave me. Except, you know, replace goth with any number of these identities that people act like they even know what that is. And here's the thing for it too. Like, people think that if they do X, Y, and Z, and that other people in turn honor that, you know, obviously I'm talking about some of the gender bender sort of stuff, but they think, like, if I do X, Y, and Z, and everyone not just accepts that, but celebrates it, because we've started to equate acceptance with celebration, but if, uh, if everyone celebrates that, I'll get to feel like I know who I am. That's kind of what's behind all this. Like, if I do X, Y, and Z that I just heard about yesterday for the first time, and everybody celebrates that all the time, then, hey, I will actually be that thing and I will know who I am. Well, let me know when you, when you do feel like you know who you are. Get back to me. Contact me. <laughs> let me know. Because I don't think you're going to find that. You know, I'm uh, 36 years old with total, a feeling of total uh, connection to who I was born as, you know, what my orientation is, 
you know, basically like the life I want to live. That's how I'd put it. Like, I feel no dissonance being who I am. Like, I feel like I was, you know, born in the right body. I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with who I was born as. I feel pretty in harmony with that as much as you can. Does that said, do I, do I have a, a solid identity on top of all that? I'm realizing I don't. You know, I'm realizing that uh, I don't, where there's a lot of other stuff going on. And I don't know many people who do. Yeah, I don't know many people who can confidently say, this is who I, I am, and I know it for a fact, and this is who I'm going to be forever. And I realize that, like, decorations and changing some of the superficial aspects of your identity aren't going to get the job done either and seem like more of a distraction than anything. Because that's what teenagers do. This isn't quite working. Oh, you know, I finally got that full goth outfit. I got the dog collar. I got the spiked hair. I got mall goth. You know, I finally got the full mall goth outfit. Pretty soon they're going to be like, you know, this isn't really cutting it. This doesn't really feel like I am who I am. It's like at that exact moment when you think that you know what you are now, you think you have your identity nailed down. Here's another one. Or the one that you thought you were mutates. That's what happens with kids. I mean, you can see where some kids, this wasn't me so much. Like, I, I was never into new metal. I never got into new metal at all. But I knew a guy who, he was like the, he's dead now, uh, Death Metal Tom, but, you know, he you know, knew everything there was to know about obscure death metal in high school. Like, every, like, Midwest brutal death metal band he knew of and had their shirt. He just, he, he found death metal and he loved it. But I knew that he had, like, initially gotten into, like, new metal and stuff. Like, he had to make a transition. Like, it, it mutated. He was a little bit older than I was, so I don't know what new metal he was into, but I did know that he kind of cut his teeth on, like, Nothing Face. I know that he was into Nothing Face before he got into death metal. I don't even know what that band sounds like, but I know they're in that new metal world. But it's like, just even just having interests, like, they mutate. Like, he was interested in metal, he got into, like, Nothing Face, and then a couple years later that mutated into, like, finding something better. Finding death metal, and you know, it's just it, things mutate into each other. But kids also drop things like a hot potato. There's kids who are like deeply invested in things; they're obsessed with it. And then tomorrow they wake up and they go, oh, "I'm done with that. I'm into this now." And these things are always very superficial. They're always very decorative. I'm going to decorate myself differently. It's not really felt from within. And they have to constantly remind other people of it. And that's what the decoration is. The decoration isn't just, hey, it looks cool to be this way. Sure, that's part of it. There's a, there's a pure way to decorate yourself, of course. But part of it is also like, this is to remind other people what I am. I want people to know what I am if they just see me. And so I'm going to decorate myself this way. But we're now in a time where this is politicized, which is so strange. It's gotten so far out there. And kids are screaming, this is who I am. And I will always be this way. And it's interesting that kids are feeling this way, because I think adults are more confused about who they are than ever. And let me tell you, if somebody does X, Y, and Z, and people celebrate that, and that person suddenly feels whole, and like they know absolutely who they are now, awesome, good for you. But I can tell you that, you know, you're, you're very lucky, or maybe unlucky, if you ever feel that way. Because even when you're in complete harmony with who you are, who you were born as, 
you still don't get much relief in that regard. Life is still going to throw things at you, especially where we live now, the time and place that we live in now, where things really are built on quicksand, shifting quicksand. So I want to say to people, like, how do you have any confidence? Because I don't. I don't have any confidence that I know who I am, and I know that my identity could get interrupted at any time. Like, yeah, I have principles. I know basically who I am. When you start getting into stuff that goes very deep into the human spirit, which is what all this stuff revolves around, and we can't forget that, all these debates that are going on involve the human spirit above all else. And that's why everybody has different points of view and different interpretations of what that is. But I can tell you that for me, like, I just know that my identity will continue to be interrupted. And there's no way to stop that from happening. And it's actually a good thing. It's actually a good thing when your identity gets interrupted, if you can accept it. And if you don't try to immediately decorate it or replace it with something else. Children can run free.